Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another interview in this untitled series of players interviewing themselves, revealing their deepest, darkest secrets. Uh, today, I'm joined by Andrew. Uh, my name's Tim, of course, and I'm here to interview my good friend, Andrew. Hello. Uh, how are you, Andrew? I'm going pretty well. Never been interviewed before, so yeah. Well, let's see how this goes. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's get started. Tell us a bit about yourself. What have you been up to lately? Um, what I've been up to lately, I'm currently on holidays from my work just for a week because I uh, had a cheeky uh, trip down the uh, Sunshine Coast, up the Sunshine Coast, I should say. But yeah, outside of that, uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, new video games out recently as well. So been cracking into the bit of Baldur's Gate 3, bit of Diablo 4, um, and back to some old classics as well. What else? A bit of hiking. Um, yeah. So with the hiking, is there um, anything else that you do outside of you know tabletop RPGs and gaming that you like to do for fun? You big hiker? Uh, not a huge hiker. I mean, I, I like going. It's uh, good to get outside and get away from the computer because uh, I'm a IT professional by trade, and then my hobbies also include playing video games. So a lot of computer time. So it's good mm. to get out every so often and a bit of fitness and a bit of sunshine. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I could say the same. I spend most of my time on a computer as well and I don't really like hiking or I do but I just don't do it but anyway um, <laughs> so we're all aware you know very aware of the the physical specimen that uh, that is Woden but a lot of people may not know that you used to have a bit of a, a background in, in fitness tell us about that uh, yeah so I went to university straight out of high school um, and was studying exercise physiology really love the content and everything I'm, I'm quite sort of um science driven it sort of just sort of just clicks with me and I've, i found it quite interesting learning about like the human body and nutrition and uh benefits of exercise and all that sort of thing but yeah like i said i ended up in it because it just wasn't sort of the career that i wanted to pursue in the end really but i'm like i don't regret doing it it was definitely definitely comes in handy these days having that that background knowledge like if i have a you know when i go to the gym or when i work out or anything like that it's good to have the the background there mm. and when you say like you like the that aspect of it is it the, like is it because it's like a very simple input output system if you do a certain thing you get a certain result is that what you mean like the pre predictability of it um i think i just like the the science and anatomy and uh, physiology and that sort of thing. I think that's what sort of drew me to it. It was a bit more, um, you know, like in IT, everything's very sort of, if you need to do this, here is a guide on how to do that. But with, with the science, it's kind of like, oh, you know, you you eat this or you do this. What's the effect that it's going to have on the body? And like, you know, everyone's different and there's a lot of different factors that can impact. Like, uh, so exercise physiology is a lot about, um, rehabilitation and that sort of thing so you need to sort of work around how how people can exercise and and do the best you can for for who you're working with sort of thing hmm. so i don't know i like the um variability and and yeah like i said it just science just kind of sits with me a lot better than something like you know business or maths and that sort of thing interesting okay 
So, another thing, I want to hear your opinion on something. I'm yet to hear you speak out on the cultural phenomenon that is Skibbity Toilet. Um, <laughs> what is your take on Skibbity Toilet and should we be worried for the future? Um, look, I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I've, I have actively avoided Skibbity Toilet. Uh, I don't really know anything about it and I'd like to keep it that way, to be honest. I know we have a few mutual friends who will shed a single tear to hear me say that, but it's just not for me, I don't, I don't think. that watch, like Seeing those videos does make me worried for the future. And the view counts that they're able to generate. It's out of control. It, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't either. I don't even... I can't even begin to understand. I don't know if that's because I'm too old or I'm just out of touch or both. All right, well... It was a bit of a smash hit when you interviewed me and also when I interviewed um, Jen. So I'm going to hit you with a couple of quick fires, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, prepare yourself. Here we go. And Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Ariel or Jasmine? Uh, uh, Jasmine. Tent or hotel? Ooh. Tent. Sourdough or wheat? Sourdough. Snog, marry or avoid? Avoid. Are reindeers real? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Avoid. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I'll take that personally. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Let's talk a bit about characters now. And, you know, where else, what better place to start than the one and only Woden himself? So, um, what was your inspiration for creating Woden? Like, did you just look in a mirror or what? Yeah, pretty much. I just thought I need... I need to get myself out there. You know, I am obviously a perfect specimen. Um, beautiful flowing hair, bulging muscles, uh, endless confidence. I just, I, I may as well just play that character because I'm worthy of a story to be told about me. You are worthy of the story, that's true. Um, no, to be honest, I pretty much decided that I was going to make Gaston from um, Beauty and the Beast. Right, okay. Yeah, so that was a lot of the inspiration there. Um but he does, like appearance aside, he does have a lot of a lot of me in him. For example, the in the more recent episodes, the uh, the fear of the ocean. That's that's me. Uh, I do have a paralyzing fear of deep water and sea monsters that live in the ocean everywhere and are out to get me. Thalassophobia. Yep, that's the one. Yep, there is nothing more disgusting than me to me than seeing those photos of sleeping sperm whales I don't know what it is about them but they sleep upright and it freaks me the hell out because they're just suspended they're just suspended there in an unclear amount of water yep you don't know how far it goes I hate it so much but I also like looking at it so I will look at the photos and then be like (laughs) I don't know why I do it to myself (laughs) I love it right any other aspects of his personality that that uh, you took from yourself uh, yeah, well, actually another, I, I wanted him to be sort of like a crowbar into the story. So he kind of just says what I want him to do to, like, I kind of left him open to be a character that I could just do what I wanted in the, in the story and to like sort of drive things forward. Cause you know, I played a few D and D games in the past where with very experienced players and, and you know, it's kind of like. Oh yeah, this room's obviously trapped, so I'm going to check if it traps. 
and like it's a very logical and methodical game i wanted to bring a swinging beef cliff to the to the story so i just wanted a like a silly character who does and says whatever comes to his head and there are parts of that that i kind of do like i have a i have a really bad habit of um say like giving someone some information that i'm pretty sure is true but <laughs> i say it as kind of a fact i think most people do that yeah well like yeah there's some little things like that um he is very good natured at his core you're a good natured person yeah i have tried to play sort of evil characters and it just doesn't come very naturally to me so i wanted to like for the podcast being recorded i wanted to play something that i would be able to do well and i mm. and i struggle to stay as like a straight down the line character like i i like playing with a bit of humor and a bit silly mm, i get you absolutely and because because we're doing it for a podcast you know obviously you want to make it entertaining and also you need to keep it not too far from your own personality otherwise it's exhausting yeah <laughs> unless you're like a, an improv god yeah, I'm sure a lot of a lot of players have had that experience that they've they've rolled up a character and then they just don't really, you know, click with it or know how to react to as that character in a certain situation. So mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of, I guess I guess Woden sort of has a similar humour to me as well, which is important for my characters. Mm, absolutely. And speaking of your characters, what's um, what's the, your usual approach to creating a character? Do you usually pick like Gaston, or do you, what do you do? So, I often sort of take, um, like, elements from other medias and combine them or, like, build ideas out from small, smaller aspects of, of characters or events or... Yeah. yeah, as opposed to, like, just copying a whole character. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I sort of, like, I listen to a lot of other D&D podcasts and if there's a character that I, that I really like in a podcast, I'm kind of like, oh, I like the idea that... You know that they have this backstory. I kind of I like to do a character with that, but maybe have them approach it like this. And also, weirdly, I I get ideas from listening to music when I'm doing DM prep and everything. I'll put on sort of the the music that I would have playing in the background of of a D and D session. And for some reason, that kind of like if the if the music's a particular way, it might make me think of a castle or you know a, a mm. night doing whatever and i kind of build things from whatever i get prompted with from listening to things or watching things or listening to things interesting said that. what's um what music did you get for uh word any music or was it all just gaston no it was all gaston you were gaston okay. gaston baby got you um so what's been your favorite character to make and what would be your favorite character to play Favorite character to make? I, I don't know. I really like making characters, so I kind of, you know, like think of a character in my head and and write it down for future D and D games. And a lot of the ones that I've that have been my favorites to make have just been like silly characters. You know, they probably don't have a whole lot to them, but you'd you'd use them for like a one shot sort of thing. Who's been your favorite to play? Um. I really like the Hexblade. I, it's the first time I played a Warlock, and I really like the Hexblade because it combines the sort of sword and shield combat with magic. So I've um, I like to have a bit of magic utility or um, a bit of extra something on top of the the martial class. What makes you happy as a player, Andrew? 
as a player. What makes you tick? Oh, what, do you like, I, what do you like to see while you, when you're playing? I like to see high numbers on the dice, but <laughs> it's, it doesn't happen to me a lot. Rip. So it makes it extra special when it does. No, I like to feel like, you know, you kind of have free reign as a player. I like the no strings. I don't like to be railroaded. And I, I like to feel like things are sort of open world, even though they mm. might not be. Mm. Um, when you have a DM that you feel like you could do whatever and they would be able to react appropriately mm, and they're willing to facilitate that yeah 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 yeah. Okay. I yeah i like to be able to like be confident enough to be able to go out on a limb and have that reciprocated sort of thing got you now much like me you have dabbled in being a gm yourself and i've had the pleasure of playing with you both as a player and as a gm how would you compare your time as a gm versus as a player uh being a GM is a like it's different. It's a lot more, a lot more intense, and I think I take it a lot more seriously than I take being a player. Like being a player, I just want to have fun and mm. do stupid things. But being a GM, you want to give the players that good experience, so you want to you're sort of always on and always thinking. And it's, I think we said it in our other interview, but it's it's very rewarding being a GM mm. um, on a deeper level. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy both. Okay. Yeah. I guess it's like um, playing with your nephew versus having a son. <laughs> playing with a nephew, it's fun, but, it, you know, but there's not much to it, but then you've got to take the kid home. So, that's, yeah. there you go. GM is the same as being a parent, and you heard it here first. Yeah, that's it. It's got to put on a show for the kids. <laughs> so, how would you describe your style of GM? Are you a cruel god or a benevolent one? Probably say I'm a bit too nice. I've never killed a character, but it's something that I aspire to. You nearly, you, you really need to have a chat with Jen. Yeah, I know. That's, that's I listened to the interview and yeah, she sounds brutal. And actually, I've never been GM'd by Jen. So I'd also like to try that because <laughs> sounds high risk. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I need to, and I'm planning a campaign for some friends at the moment, yourself included. And I've decided with this one, I am going to kill a character. I'm going to be trying my best to do some murders. So come hell or high water, a player will die. Yeah, I've been yeah, I've been too nice in the past, and you know, fun times over. Okay. I can just imagine when we first sit down, you're like, all right, no more Mister Nice Guy. <laughs> Someone's going to die today. Yeah. Okay. Is that you? Just like obviously, you don't want to be cruel for cruelty's sake, but just you just think it might add a bit more, like like investment or increase up the stakes a bit you know rather than it being because you know it can go both ways i, I suppose with a, like a, a really kind and generous gm you can it almost feels like you know you can't go wrong you know you're like you're, you're surrounded by cotton wool kind of thing yeah you're trying to maybe get rid of a bit of that yeah and these are apart from yourself these are all um yeah they're all new players so this this campaign is the only one that they're playing i don't think any well no i know that none of them have ever lost a character before so maybe they think that you know their their characters are safe you know he, oh he's not gonna he's not gonna kill him like he wouldn't put this fight here if if we weren't able to beat it sort of thing he loves us yeah no nah, they're all gonna die they're all gonna die i like it and i think it's an important part of like you know it can because it can make the experience that much more rewarding you know yeah if the if you up the stakes a bit yeah so I look forward to definitely not dying. 
Um, so, do you know, it sounds like you've got a lot more lined up, but do you just in general want to do more GMing or are you just happy with the, the amount that you do now? Because I think you, it's fair to say you do a little bit more than me, I think, because you do run that, um, you run a candle keep bar campaign that I'm a player in. Um, I've never gotten to that level of commitment. I've just basically done one shots. Um, so do you, are you want to keep up your current level of output or what do you think? I, yeah, I think I'm pretty happy at the moment. So the candle keeps are sort of, they're pretty much one shots. They're, they're sort of extended one shots, mm. um, but that we do have persistent characters in that campaign. This one, um, essentially are independent of each other so you don't need to keep the same characters hmm. um though the part our current players have but yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't mind trying a full-size campaign but it kind of intimidates me so i'm starting with a, a small one so maybe like four or five sessions for the the one that i'm planning at the moment so yeah, that, that'll be a good warm-up for me if if i ever decide to run a, a full campaign yeah are you writing the whole thing yourself Yes. Nice. Yes. Nice, nice, nice. And I'm, I'm sort of trying to do it a bit open world, so <laughs> right. it's taking me a long time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's good that you're doing that. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it myself. Um, what makes you happy as a GM? Is it anything different than being a player? It's kind of the inverse of what I like about being a player. So I, I want the characters to, or sorry, the players to have the experience that I want, I, I guess. See what you mean. And yep. uh, you know, like, and, I, and I'm aware that some people might be combat focused. Some people might like the role play, but I want to essentially be able to reciprocate whatever they want to do. So, mm. if they want to do crazy shit and and be silly, like I'll, I'll I want to be able to give that back to them. But if at the same time, if they are really into the combat, I want to make it sort of immersive for them as well. So yeah, I kind of I want to be essentially like a, a sounding board or a like yeah basically just to be able to give back to the players what they want that's sort of what i find rewarding about being a gm is giving them that immersive experience Mm, i get you and you just sort of you want to give them the same experience that you look for yeah as a player yeah right and so what's probably what's one aspect of your style both as a player and as a gm that you would like to work on perhaps uh, they're, they're probably both the same for, for being a GM and being a player and it's being more descriptive. I kind of um, will read, a, read through a, a module or have an image in my head of what I would think that something is going to look like but then I sort of in the moment either forget to say it or um, don't have the words to fully describe what, what the players would have before them or me as a player I am actually doing. Well, it's time for another set of quick fire. Shall we do it? Yep, go for it. Okay, three, two, one, here I go. <gasps> Big dogs or small dogs? Big dogs. On a scale of one to ten, how good are you at wiffle ball? I don't know what that is, but I'm going to say nine out of ten. Ideal ambient temperature? Oh, 24, and a half. Okay. There you go. Nuggies or tendies? Nuggies. Interesting. Make a high-pitched sound. Nice. Best student in Hufflepuff or worst student in Gryffindor? Uh, Best student in Hufflepuff. Pineapple and pizza, yes or no? No. Oh, 
Okay. Absolutely not. Okay, that's that's a it's a strong opinion. Yeah, Andrew. Um, we'll have a chat later. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, so I want to give you a hypothetical here. Mm-hmm. So Wizards of the Coast have given you permission to make one change to the fifth edition player's handbook. What are you changing? It could be anything from the wording of a spell to the addition or removal of an entire chapter. Hmm. Good question. Good question. Hey, thanks. I uh, learned from the best. (laughs) Uh, I think... I think I would do something around the way that movement works in combat in D&D. And it probably is reflective of my player and GM style, but I just feel like movement in combat is sort of discouraged. And and I think, I feel like wherever you start a fight, you pretty much will end the fight not too far from there. Mm. And so whether it's, you know, adding like the five foot step rule from um, the Pathfinder game system or making attacks of opportunity a bit a bit, uh, I guess, nerfing them a little bit so they're not not as bad. But I've played sorcerers and things before where you just you get surrounded by even even only like two enemies, and if you decide to run away to use some of your spells against them, leaving their their threatened squares, you're pretty much like you're going to go down if you take two attacks of opportunity sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it can be a bit a bit uh, stifling sometimes. So I would. Yeah, I think I would change something around there. Maybe the five foot step rule is a is a good option, but what is the five foot step rule? Sorry. Uh, effectively, if and I, and I I have never actually played Pathfinder, just listened to a bunch of it on on podcast. But my understanding of the rule is that in place of your movement, you can choose to take a five foot step where you step five feet. It doesn't incur attacks of opportunity. Which would sort of, you know, put you out of melee range to be able to cast a spell. Mm. But it just, yeah, it just means that you can't take a five-foot step and then run away. It's either you... It's like a five-foot disengage, I essentially. Five-foot disengage. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I mean, because in terms of combat in D&D, it's all kind of time-based in a way. Like, your turn takes approximately six seconds. So it all sort of comes down to what you can achieve in six seconds, right? So yeah. if you're running like 30, 40 feet from one end of a room to another versus, you know, trying to get out of combat, like you think that it will try and, you know, duck and weave your way out of a fight and then run away. You, like it makes sense. It'll probably take the same amount of time, right? Yeah. If that make, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like if you're a caster or a ranged character and you've got enemies on you to be able to take that five foot step to just not have disadvantage on your mm. attack against the creatures is huge. Like someone that rolls as bad as I do, <laughs> I can't have disadvantage because I will never ever hit. No, <laughs> like you don't even need disadvantage. Like even with advantage for me, it's it's touch and go. Yeah, disadvantage for you is pretty much a death sentence. So. Yeah, <laughs> can confirm. Interesting. Okay. Um. So to wrap things up, um. Give me three pieces of advice for a new player. For a new player, I would say start small with your first character. Don't give yourself a like a too much on the character sheet to have to worry about as well as learning the new rules. 
and that I guess that extends to roleplay stuff as well. So I think for me, one of the hardest parts of getting into D and D was doing the role, like getting into the role play and mm. understanding that. It's a very different way of like thinking or playing. Yeah, mm. and so even just starting small, as in like you know, even in your your own normal voice, describing what your player would say. Like if if you're not comfortable doing voices and stuff like that, so just start with start small, start with what you're comfortable with. Hmm. Um, so that's I guess one piece of advice. Two would be when you're making a character, uh, make I would I'd probably start with one fairly aligned to your personality. Like I was saying about Woden for me hmm. before, yep. it's just easier to to role play and. and and do that character absolutely and then you get a bit more I guess attached to them as well especially if you're new to role playing like yeah thinking in someone else's putting yourself in someone else's shoes is yeah it's quite unusual yeah yeah uh, third thing would be I guess read the rules because <laughs> there's a lot of them mm, do yeah. a little bit of homework yeah a bit of homework uh, what about for young Andrew would would you give yourself the same three pieces of advice, you know, if you go back three years for your first session that you sat down to? My first session was actually many, many years ago, and it was it sort of only went for about an hour, maybe two hours, but I just, until that point, I had never even heard of D&D, so for young Andrew, wow. I would probably explain to him the concept of it, because, you know, the, the GM sat down and was like... Okay, so this is the, the, like, he read out the prologue to the adventure. You know, we were in this, I think, I think it was like an alleyway. We had two enemies in front of us. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I just didn't understand at the time that you can do whatever you want. Mm, like, you used, used to rules, yeah. I just, I just couldn't grasp the fact that you can do anything. Mm, interesting. So I would probably just explain to myself that. Okay. You can do what you like, but you have to think about it differently to traditional games. Yeah, yeah. You really, like, it really is role playing. Yeah, you know, it's not a board game. Like, you don't, you just do, you do what you want, and then the rules sort of the the GM sort of does the rules for you, hmm. and they facilitate it. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think that's all we have time for. Right, Andrew. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you for joining me. Anytime. <laughs> and I'll see you later. Catch ya. Bye.